All right. So let's go ahead and talk about comma in a really useful and wholesome way. Uh, normally, um, it has, the, especially the word karma or comma, has a lot of baggage. Yeah. <laughs> which is, in fact, magical. Mm. Uh, and so when the word comma finally came to the English language, it, it came loaded down with a lot of baggage mm. that the word didn't have in the time of the Buddha. Mm. That when the Buddha was using the word comma, he was actually meaning just action. Mm. Now, there was a, um, a well-known teaching of the time about the Brahmins that he partially agreed with. Mm. In other words, the Buddha said, yes, there is actions that give good results. Or in fact, you could call them good actions because they gave good results. Mm. And there are actions that give bad results. Mm. And these things sometimes are very, very consistent. Um, an example of that is that there are robbers on that particular pathway. They stay there. They're waiting for you. Mm. And if you go down that path, it's going to happen. Okay, so this is the way that we begin to understand that things get into a habit of, of going and that the whole teaching of the Buddha is to come out of that comma. Mm. And to come out of it whenever we recognize it. Mm. So, um, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa actually has an article, an old article that got resurfaced uh, on Lion's War mm. called Comma, The Choice mm. is Yours. Mm. And what he's pointing at there in this regard of comma is actually uh, can be seen in two ways. One is the comma that we keep repeating, mm -hmm. the samsara quality of it, mm -hmm. that we keep doing it over and over and over again. But we also have to see it as the result of having it become a habit. Mm. And so we do the same things over and over again. Mm -hmm. Now, really, technically, there's a problem with good or bad. Good actions gives good results. An example is you invest in the stock market. If the stock goes up, then the original uh, buy was a good action. Mm -hmm. If the stock goes down, <laughs> then the original buy was a bad action. It's really simple like that, okay? So that means that the outcome and mm. our liking or not liking of the outcome is in fact what determines whether the comma was good or bad in the first place. Mm -hmm. And this is something that, uh, that the Brahmins just completely missed out on. Mm. Okay, because they're trying to think that, oh, well, even if we cannot label the comma as to whether it was a good or bad, mm. uh, we kind of think that it's going to perpetuate forever so that um, a good action will eventually give its good result mm. and a bad action will eventually give its bad result. But that's getting really religious. Yeah. But the Buddhist idea about karma is, is that it's more of a cause-effect relationship. Mm -hmm. If you keep 
deuce, that will happen. Because mm-hmm. just because um, I, as far as I'm aware, there's not really a metaphysics that would explain how one's actions in one life transfer over. Um, so it That's seems to me the Buddha taught against that. Yeah. Okay. And yet that particular belief that he's so strongly taught against winds up being part of what most people believe. Well, that's because that belief was widespread. Mm. And even as Buddhism spread as, um, let us say, a bunch of bhikkhus walking around grubbing for food, because <laughs> mm. that's how it all got started anyway, mm-hmm. that's not going to necessarily change the, the, the mood of the general population. Mm. But that's still true in Thailand, that the, uh, uh, the general farmer, uh, low-class, uneducated person in Thailand, the masses, uh, the larger popu- part of the population, in fact, do believe those things. Mm. And that many places they learn about it is not only at their mother's knee, but at the Wat. Mm. But the Wat, the leaders of the Wat and the men at the Wat may, in fact, know more about what's going on than they're willing to teach the kids because after all mom's standing there <laughs> you gotta wait and get the kid over to the side and says come here kid i got something i got some news for you <laughs> but meanwhile the fear is is that if you tell the kids the truth then you then they will become uncontrollable that the mm. whole point of the teaching of good and bad karma gives good and bad results no matter what is to keep our society in line. It's trying to tell people you got to be responsible for your behavior. So this is so what you're saying is that the the kind of more commonly understood idea of karma is something that's a a, a late a later perversion of the Buddha's original teachings and that. It's intense. No, and it's an, earlier, it's an yeah. earlier thing. Yes, okay. that that okay. view was there before the Buddha came by. Part of the awakening is to recognize that whole field trip into magical airy fairyland is a side trip. Mm-hmm. That if you really want to fix your life's problems, you've got to get into these life's problems rather than magical thinking about some better future. If I do this all my life, I'll have a better life next time. Yeah. Was exactly the promise that the Brahmins were making in the first place. Mm. The you Brahmins. See how got, the Brahmins got it started. Yeah. And what yeah. they said, because basically the very short part of the story is they were losing power and prominence. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to justify their position. And their position was is that we are Brahman, we are born to Brahman, we are the priests, we're the ones who run this religion, mm. and that we are born Brahman because we were good in the past. Mm. And because you were not good in the past, you were not born Brahman. <laughs> and that was their shtick. And yeah. that came about, and it's actually in the Vedantas, in about 800 B.C. Mm. So the Buddha come along about 300 years later after it became widespread and says, oh no, wait a minute. Mm. Now we are 2,500 years later, mm. all total about 2,800 years, and this old rumor now the Brahmin started is worldwide and then deeply entrenched into our culture. Mm. Mm. 
where in fact in uh, in the time of the Buddha it was really easy for people to get talked out of that magical thinking mm-hmm. because it wasn't really that old and widespread. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things to look at uh, and that was a major part of his teaching is the teaching of Anatta. Mm-hmm. Anatta. That he only teaches one thing, and that is dukkha and dukkha naroda, which means that when anicca happens, you either take the high road uh, uh, dukkha naroda, or you take the low road into dukkha. Mm. If you're awake, naturally you'll choose which one to go to. But if you're not awake and it's on automatic pilot, you got to choose whatever automatic pilot chooses for you. Mm-hmm. And after time, at least it's going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm. Um, and so this is the basic foundation of the, of the teaching of the Buddha is that this issue of rebirth that um, is referring to and I'll make this distinction for the moment rebirth versus reincarnation mm. now reincarnation is what is normally referred to nowadays to where all of the Buddhists in town will always correct you to say, oh no, it's not reincarnation, it's rebirth, and yet they themselves don't know the difference. Nor Mm -hmm. do they know where or how to find the distinction, but they know at least at one time somebody knew way back when because Mm -hmm. that's why it's come to be the way that it is. In fact, there's a very good point, and that mm-hmm. is, is that there is no self that mm-hmm. is reborn. There's no that consciousness or whatever people mistake of as the self mm-hmm. is not what's reborn. But actions do beget actions in sometimes very complicated ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that this is not the point about that the Buddha is making on rebirth. But that the real point of rebirth is is that each person, day by day, sometimes hour by hour and moment by moment, mm-hmm. will be born in a different state than they were a moment ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, to to return it... Someone can become angry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and ask your question. We'll do oh, no, just, just to, to return to what we were discussing the other day, um, is every moment of apprehension of every time that the some an, an object enters the mind is that a moment in which there is potential for rebirth um does it happen at a kind of micro level is what i'm saying um yeah instinctually so mm-hmm. well below the thought level even below mm-hmm. the feeling level way down at the instinctual level mm-hmm. is where this stuff springs from mm-hmm. so um, let's use the example of getting angry. Mm-hmm. When when someone gets angry, who are they? The, well, the first and important description would be say they are angry, or he would say I am angry if he's willing mm-hmm. to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I am angry means now that the anger is the bigger deal. Mm-hmm. The self below that, that mm-hmm. the self is the, is the lower dog and the upper dog is uh, the anger. I am angry means I'm caught by it. 
right. So that's an identification. Mm. It's almost as if that identification with the anger um, is instinctual. But the reality of the situation is, no, I'm not angry. There is just anger there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as long as I'm angry, that means that it will be under under his own guidance and control, mm -hmm. under his own automatic pilot. And I have got no choice because I'm along for the ride. And if that anger takes me into hell, if it goes to hell, then I go along with it because mm -hmm. now I'm attached to that anger, or better still to say the anger is, is in control of the situation. He's mm -hmm. got me. Mm -hmm. that, in fact, that's what is the identification. Mm -hmm. So when anger is up, that means it's the only thing that is there for me to identify with. Mm -hmm. But if I'm not identifying with anything, then I'm not the anger. Mm -hmm. it's just, there it is. Yeah, I mean, it, but it, now you can do something about it. Yeah, <laughs> like there's that um, thing that Thich Nhat Hanh says about um, if you feel anger, you should you should kind of cradle it like it was a child. Like there's a kind of way of acknowledging it as part of oneself as a process that's happening that isn't um, that is that's one of kind of ex almost extending meta towards it or or trying to. Yeah, to not deny it, to not suppress the anger, you know. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, that that seems to me I a more... certainly do. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't know about what he... Uh, that Tetnahan is known to have said that, but he's pointing at something that someone else uses that terminology for. Mm -hmm. Eric Byrne talks about the child ego state, mm -hmm. which is Freud's id, which, mm -hmm. in fact, that's the source of the anger. Mm. Okay, but the source of the anger was actually the child got angry because of what the parent of the uh, the parent ego uh, mm -hmm. state has done. Mm -hmm. If you want to think about it from an internal dialogue, mm -hmm. okay, what what kicked the child in the pants to make <laughs> him angry? Yeah. Okay, and so uh, we can look at that in the sense of the dialogue from the past. Yeah, that impacted the kid that gave rise to those feelings of unhappiness and mm -hmm. that immediately became the anger mm -hmm. so it is in fact the child who is doing all of the emoting mm -hmm. and that what we're in the process of doing is becoming the adult in the room mm -hmm. to put the frontal cortex in, in play to become the adult and the adult in the room is the one that's going to settle this squabble between the child and the parent. Mm. It's sort of like a psychotherapy to where mom and the kid's not getting along, so they come to the therapist. Okay, so <laughs> now the meditator becomes the therapist between the uh, misbehaving kid and mm. the ang and the uh, domineering parent. Mm. Now, the Buddha has exactly all three of these things in the sense that um, the, the, the parent and the child are, in fact, the first and the second fetter. Okay. Yeah. The parent and the child are the first and second fetter, which means that the personality view or who I am 
or basically how I feel about myself is that child ego state mm. that is normally being trounced and feels uh, all of the results of mm. the anger and frustrations of life. Mm. Because the parent ego state is that which is doing the yak, 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 mm. all of that stuff, all of that learned behavior that we have that we can now sum up as society. Now, the relationship between society and the, um, uh, the individual or the relationship then between the parent and the child is such that the child goes along to get along, it does what it's told to do, it in fact becomes a draft animal for that society. Mm. And what does a draft animal do? Well, he has to go to school for years and years and years, and when he's fit to work, they put him to work. A draft animal? What's a draft they, animal? The draft animal, that's the human race. <laughs> okay, the draft animal, uh, you can, actually, I remember a good story about that. There was a donkey <laughs> in India, and this donkey had um, uh, a a bit of a collar around and uh, to support the, that he was carrying a log, uh, a, a cut down tree log, about four inches in diameter. And that the center point of that log then turned to millstone and this donkey had 30 feet to go around. Mm. And that's what that donkey did. And that, uh, in the millstone, the, the guy who was there put, um, sugarcane in and out came sugarcane juice and so the, the man sold the sugarcane juice to the passerby guess who gets no sugarcane juice yeah <laughs> okay or another example is this wonderful beautiful pasture this this horse lives in nice grub eating things it's fenced off with what the heck but then they strap him to a plow and make him plow the place, tearing up his dinner for years to come so that they can plant groceries that he's not going to be able to eat. They'll feed him hay instead. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now, if that, donkey, if that donkey or that horse had any idea what was going on, they'd rebel. But mm -hmm. they don't. They're mm -hmm. stupid. Right. Mm -hmm. Just like us humans. Only um, the cloud that we pull is a little more sophisticated, and so we're confused. We think we're supposed to pull this cloud. Mm -hmm. So are we talking about, have we moved from an analogy of the parent-child sort of inner model to something to do with how we relate to society and our role within it, or is this... Right, that parent, in fact, the parent ego state that Byrne is talking about is in mm. fact the sum total of the learned society that the individual carries around as an adult. Mm. Okay, but the parent ego state quality of it is because that's how this we, we treat society as, as if our, mem our remembered memories of society is what orders us around to live our lives according to its dictates, mm -hmm. which wind up making us more draft animal-like mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and less human. Mm -hmm. And so this is uh, the, the poly word for this is Sila Bhatta Paramasa. 
which which translates as um, badly translated as <laughs> attachments to rites, rules, and rituals. I, yeah. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. But more loosely, it's attached to anything about how anything should be done. It's all mm. of our shoulds, our woulds, our coulds, our oughtas. Yeah. That's a pretty strong fetter. <laughs> if that's a fetter, it's a very strong one. <laughs> I'm sorry, That's what? a big one. That's a big one. That's um, that, that internalized programming, that learned behavior, those learned assumptions, those ways in which one conditions and limits one's behavior based on a set of regulations that you've kind of learned. It really is, um, they're really very strong and like quite often, (laughs) you know what I mean? No, but they are. I do. You ain't seen (laughs) nothing yet. (laughs) Like that's a, that's a big one. Um, and I think that, you know, in, in meditation, this is why it's really interesting to now talk about this in a more theoretical sense, because in the experience of sitting, I will quite often get that inner voice coming to me and narrating things. And it quite often takes the form of my dad, you know, like it will be... <laughs> you... Eric Byrne knows yeah, yeah, you yeah. very well, and he's been dead for 70 years. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, and then I, I observe my own mind and I'm like, oh God, fucking hell. Like, I was, that's really like cliched or something. Um, and I'll be having these arguments. It, it doesn't happen. I've, I mean, I'm, I'm getting better at, at meditating basically, but um, that process of disentangling oneself from that conversation, it's not to say that it doesn't happen in the mind, but you can understand that it's just uh, just another process and um yes and you can also uh from the very nature of it from what i gather from you you would prefer not to have that particular process going on yeah yeah definitely okay, so that would mean <laughs> that you would consider that process an unwholesome thought sequence therefore yeah. you would catch it and throw that out mm-hmm. yeah, yeah 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 if you're on guard, if you're woke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, I, I, it's, I mean, this and is why... What happens, uh, what happens is, is that the weight of that, it keeps its own perpetual motion going, but if you start chopping that thing up and say, you stop, mm-hmm. you stop, you mm-hmm. stop, it gets weaker and weaker. It doesn't get that full mm-hmm. cycle going. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get its five minutes of play out time to keep the habit going, that now mm. the habit's getting cut off in 10, 15, 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and the first step to that is, is sati, isn't it? It's, it's the, it's the, it's the, but before you can cut it off, you have to perceive that it's happening. You have to wake up. That's exactly <laughs> why I keep harping on sati as the yeah. number one issue is we've yeah. got to wake up to what's going on. Yeah. Wake up and investigate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. They have the cliche of wake up and smell the coffee. But yeah. there's a whole lot more coffee brewing than we first, <laughs> you know, we really do need to wake up and look at all of this stuff that's brewing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Including uh, this argument that you're having with your dad. And mm. it's, not, it's 
interesting that we say it that way because in that respect, our self then becomes the child ego state. Mm. Rather than saying it's an argument between the child ego state and the parent ego state, mm. it's between me and my dad. <gasps> Isn't that interesting? That's the identification with that. Mm. Identifying with our past. Mm. But when you can say now, and it doesn't even matter what your dad is, whether he's dead or alive or in a distant country or whatever, the likelihood of you having the same conversation that you remember in your mind having with him is unlikely. Mm-hmm. Your dad's mm-hmm. a different person and so mm-hmm. are you now. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. old junk. <laughs> it really yeah, it's is. such junk, okay. yeah. But it, it, it feels like a way of... It feels like a way of the mind trying to discipline itself, but, you know, like it seems like it's trying to do something useful in a way, but that it's a process that's really not helpful. And it is it, kind of... Well, here's the point now. You say Thich Nahan says to treat uh, this thing, <clears throat> this feeling system that we have, like a child to be cared for. Mm-hmm. You dad, did your dad take care of you the way that Titnahan is suggesting? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a big question. Um, yes and no. <laughs> okay. So now the question would be, can you begin to do it now? And the answer could be yes, because I've seen it before, and yes, because I know I can do it. Mm-hmm. So the answer now is no longer a yes and no, it's a yes and a yes. Mm-hmm. That I can treat myself well. This mm-hmm. is basically at the bottom of friendship anyway, which mm-hmm. we've heard, you've heard someplace or another, and I'm a fan of the sutta, it's called the half sutta, where Ananda goes to the Buddha and says, um, I have heard that friendship is half of the Dhamma. Mm-hmm. And the he says, oh no, Ananda, a friendship is the whole package. <laughs> Which basically is boiling down to you got to start making friends and you wind up being friendly with everything, including that child inside. Mm-hmm. So that the child no longer needs nourishment because he's got it up to here already. Mm-hmm. But we always go around feeling unnourished, so now is the time to nourish that child. Mm-hmm. And how we do that is with sukha, allow yourself to have pleasure. Yeah, yeah. To give yeah. the child joy rather than giving him work to do. Mm-hmm. It's interesting in terms of trying to, um, like, getting a, working a bit more with the jhanas, trying to work out... Um, my relationship to those and I feel like that's like progressing quite a lot Um I feel like I can get to first or what, what I think is first jhana pretty regularly but it's the the second is is harder for me at the moment anyway um, well here, here's the thing you will not do very well at second jhana until you actually get first jhana yeah, and so yeah. the immediate goal is to learn to become, um, let us say, skilled at being able to get into first job. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. an important skill. That takes sati. It takes work. In fact, that's the one that takes effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once, once each time we get into it, 
and we're mm-hmm. developing the skill of getting into it more mm-hmm. and more often, more and more frequently. Mm-hmm. The second skill is to develop maintaining yeah, yeah, or yeah. staying in the first jhana. Mm-hmm. What is that point? That's the point where we begin to guard the mind. Mm-hmm. That we, we got into the first jhana partly by talking ourselves into it. Now we have to keep talking ourselves into it. We mm-hmm. keep having to nourish that child. Mm-hmm. And pay more. in fact, that would be a way of thinking about what's first jhana. First jhana is being friendly with your own child inside. Mm-hmm. To not be in the past and the future like the, the, the parent ego state, but just mm-hmm. be here now. Okay, so we begin to enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. This is first jhana, which means that thoughts that come from that parent ego state have to be kept out. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the less energy they get, then the less frequently they will bother us. Mm-hmm. And so you begin to change your personality because, in fact, this old stored memory system that we have that's mm-hmm. so harmful mm-hmm. to us that we got from the society, we don't have to live with that anymore as our background noise. Mm-hmm. We can find a different tune to play, mm-hmm. something more modern. Cast <laughs> things up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Put the boogie <laughs> in the road. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, this is a way of of working with it to recognize those kind of thoughts mm. are not wholesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they're demanding. They want things. Mm. Mm. Um, they don't like things, they want to change things. So getting all of those kind of thoughts out and mm-hmm. the kind of thoughts in of, wow, this is very nice. Wow, what a delicious moment. It's almost like ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so but, that puts us actually, and I haven't thought about it like that before, but that's basically what we're talking about here is allowing the real dialogue to go on Mm-hmm. is between the parent, excuse me, between the adult and the child, mm-hmm. so that the adult directs traffic, and mm-hmm. the parent ego state is now quieted down. It's mm-hmm. put out of service, and mm-hmm. then we go by wisdom. Mm-hmm. And part of the wisdom is, is that we know that this is just a child ego state of the mind. It is not who I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That in fact, if there is anything, is that I am the adult in the mm-hmm. room now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and after we make that change of identity, then mm-hmm. we can even change that to where, oh no, there is no me here. There is mm-hmm. just this wonderful, beautiful relationship between the adult and the child. Mm-hmm. And there ain't no me in there. It's just I. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if there is anything, that's the observation of this yeah. process going on. But still, there's no self in there. But in the beginning, we have this personality view. And the Buddha talks about it is, is that, yes, Sivabhata Paramahansa is a heavy, heavy, heavy duty. Mm-hmm. But it's not even as heavy as the self. This mm-hmm. attachment to the self that identifies with, um, oh, organizations. We become identified with by joining or even mentally joining a political party or a church or a town. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Like, it's, it, even though the address here is Bantai, I am not of or in Bantai. <laughs> if anything, it's somewhere else out there. Mm -hmm. So, um, we lose identification with things altogether because the identification system that we have was actually part of that parent ego state. Mm -hmm. We learned, this is all learned behavior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's all old garbage that really doesn't mean anything now. Mm -hmm. An example of that is so long as I've got a passport, who cares what country's name is on point? Within limits. But I don't yeah. it, um, identify with any particular passport because the name of the country is, is in there. doesn't mean I'm that kind of person. Mm -hmm. I don't qualify as that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the line that uh, um, uh, Groucho Marx mm. said. He said, I would never join any organization that would have. Oh, yeah. Of <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's well, a really good. It's one. really excellent. <laughs> All right. It's yeah. really excellent, don't, which means don't join anything, because mm. anything that we join, there we feel. If we donate any amount of money to a candidate, then we start watching how that candidate is doing. Are they going up and down, up and down, up and down? Mm -hmm. And they keep asking for money. And so they're up and down and they're up and down, but now they keep wanting money. It doesn't matter how much money they send you, they keep wanting more money, more money, more money. That's the whole point of the campaign. That's why they call it a campaign. They're out there looking for money. <laughs> and so people who get sucked into that, they wind up in a whole lot of bad feelings because now not only have I given my money to that candidate, now I am that candidate. And if he loses the election, I have lost the election. Mm. Uh, but I mean, it's interesting that you talk about money because I mean, this analogy isn't it doesn't really hold much water, maybe. But I, I think, I mean, could you think of karma as a kind of currency, as a as a kind of as a way of paying in? And I mean, you used the stock market analogy before, but that there's something that can be thought of as because one of the like one of the like more beautiful ideas i think or, or the more kind of for me more profound ideas is the fact that every that i'm connected to the to the world in ways that i um i don't even realize that there's a kind of complexity of interaction you know yes yes this is what the investigation is all about mm -hmm. Okay, this is why we need to have the mind fit for work is because that's what the, in fact, that's the job of the adult. Right. Is to investigate this mess. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's right. Been but not mess and not investigating in the sense that there's a big, big mess that needs to be investigated. It's more like um, that the, the things that need to be investigated come one at a time as they occur, mm -hmm. moment by moment, here's yet something new that needs to be investigated. Mm -hmm. Here's something new that needs to be investigated. Mm -hmm. So even calling it a mess is, is putting a time capsule around it that doesn't belong. Mm -hmm. 
so long as we stay focused that everything has to be done, including skill development, right mm. in this very moment. Mm. And then the, then the forward knowledge is, if I can do it now, I can do it again. Mm. <clears throat> that's the forwarding point. If I can do it now, I can do it again. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I think it's. I think sometimes I've in meditation I've tried to kind of. Um, I've tried to remind myself of, of like try to enjoy the moment. Use sati to bring myself back to the present moment, and then try and sort of generate sukha and just not quite feeling it, you know. And then that can feel like another. That ah, can, but that's so common. Yeah, that is so common. I, mm. I knew you were going there when I heard you first use the word try. <laughs> yeah. All right. That too is a hindrance to be seen. Mm -hmm. The not feeling it, trying it and not getting it, and when you say, "Aha! I can see that going on too." Mm. Mm. All right. Now there's also the quality that. T.A. continuing Mary Byrne, mm -hmm. there, there's the quality of getting permission. Mm -hmm. It's okay for mm. you to relax. It's mm. okay for you to feel good. It's okay mm. for you to go on vacation from this set of rules that mm. you've built up. Mm. You need permission to do that. Mm. Okay. Which means you need the protection of the adult mind to keep the hindrances at bay long enough for you to get into that state. Mm -hmm. And that therein will give you the power of saying, yes, I can. Yes, I can. I can mm -hmm. feel good, even though this feeling good is not as good as I want to feel. It's good enough right now. Mm -hmm. Because, mm. see, that's where we get into that one last hindrance of, I want more. Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. is good, but I want more. No, this is good enough. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I think that I've, I'm getting better at that. That's definitely developing. And I think it's something that's just to return to jhana practice. I think that's something that was a real hindrance at the start was feeling like I was about to maybe entered first genre and getting really like excited but like what if i don't make it and you know that kind of voice of tightness and anticipation and a preemptive sense of p potential failure was the thing that prevented me from getting uh, it you know but right and here's where the uh, the bottom line of that is that you wanted it oh did mm. you want it yeah <laughs> yeah okay. And the very wanting it is a state that prevents us from being in a state of not wanting anything. Which yeah. is first jhana. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. And so that's why we have to practice with this quality yeah. of satisfaction. Yeah. Even if there's a little bit of satisfaction, give that notice. Give the kid credit for he can do mm. a little bit of satisfaction. Yeah. Satisfaction is a skill to be developed. Mm -hmm. It is like a muscle to yeah. be developed. That's definitely it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I can, I mean, this is, yeah, because I can develop the PT quite, quite regularly now, quite reliably. 
I mean, I kind of feel it when I'm walking around, not even in meditation. And it, it's that's been a really transformative thing for me. But um, the, the sukha is something I feel like I'm less, that is less developed in me in, in general in life or has been historically, you know. Um, okay. Well, you can think of sukha and pity as actually having almost all of the same quality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, one of them is the quality of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. The other one is the quality of uh, uh, security and safety mm-hmm. or contentment. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the rapture or the feeling, the really good one, has to do with the feeling of success or I can do this. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. When you have that kind of rapture, you've got sukha built right into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With the idea that when the ra- when the rapture or the pity kind of uh, wears off like a spurt of a faucet, they go, <laughs> and then it's got a steady flow. That steady flow will then be the resultant of the sukha. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of the kind of pressure that we put in there, and mm-hmm. are the benefit of the uh, right effort. Mm. And, and so the sukha uh, is actually the resultant part of the um, um, the pity. Mm-hmm. At that level, we can actually start to think of them as just one feature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that the word that's normally used is the pity, because the pity does give way to the sukha if we can maintain it. Mm-hmm. It's the maintaining I need to work on, it sounds like. Uh-huh. Right, yeah. not going after second, John. I know we need to learn to get into that uh, uh, yeah. first step of jhana and be able to stay there, mm. to be able to guard the mind and to keep the mind focused mm. and in the mm. present moment, mm. to keep enjoying it. Mm. How much pleasure can you stand? Well, another three or four minutes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. so this is the way that we're practicing rather than going into any deep states or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to, to really lighten up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to light, <laughs> really lighten up. Mm-hmm. To let go of this old collection of rules and rituals that we call society or burn called parent ego state. Freud called it superego. But it's basically all of the things that we tell ourselves about what we should do. And and most of it has to do with because we've been such good little animals mm-hmm. that we're just repeating par for the course. That that's just, you know, keep going along to getting along. Mm-hmm. Now, there's another one. This is this is kind of cute. And that is that basically this Silabata Paramasa that we're talking about is instinctual. Mm-hmm. And it's fairly clearly easy to see the instinct and the instinctual nature of it in the sense of the herding instinct mm. or the nesting instinct. Mm. That whenever there's any danger, the wildebeest will all collect together in a small little patch and mm. they'll stay that way in the night for self-protection. Mm. But the herd is protected and the guys who were deepest into the herd are the ones who were the most safe, and the guys who were on the outside are the ones who were in danger. Mm -hmm. Okay? 
So a wise society, they'd have all the big tough ones on the outside and have the women and the children on the inside. And that's mm. quite, that's the way that we do things when we go into that herding mentality. Mm. But it's deeper than even mammals because we know that fish school that same way and birds flock mm. that same way. Mm. That they, they, they collect together uh, in, in tight little packets. Mm. Well, guess those tight little packets, and humans do it too. There's all kinds of various places that we've talked. Mob behavior, for instance, is, is that hurting behavior. Mm. Um, um, so, the example is the sheep mm. and the sheepdog. That the sheep go along because they're afraid of the barking dog and the dog even though he's a loud mouth he feels like that he's the boss here and as he's barking he's making mm. himself bigger while the sheep are so dumb that they think that he's a big tough dude and so they get all into a herd mm. and he can bark over here and bark over there and guide them as a herd right to the gate and they're completely manageable mm. But if one of those old sheep had the idea, wait a minute, I'm bigger than that dog. And you are too. Why don't the two or three of us just go and say hello to that dog? And they, and then we go down there and we surround him and the dog is bark, 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 bark. And we're okay. Shut up, dog. <laughs> yeah. and, and so this is where human behavior comes in that will override that instinct. Yeah. Mm. But animals like the uh, sheep, they don't have it. But humans, mm. we can wake up to that. Wait a minute. I don't have to go along to get along. I don't mm. have to act like that dumb animal. Mm. I don't have to do what my daddy told me to do anymore. I'm a big mm. adult now. Mm -hmm. I'm bigger than that barking dog. <laughs> And so that whole new attitude of things is a very important quality of, of changing our attitude about mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in the herd because I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. And to know I'm not afraid, therefore I can leave the herd. Mm. There is no, there is nothing to fear out there. The dog's not going to bite you. <laughs> right. In fact, you're bigger than the dog is. You yeah. can butt him and throw him in the air. <laughs> right. So this is where wisdom then comes in is we can see what's going on. We can change this instinctual behavior that is uh, driven by all the rights, rules and rituals. And mm. so uh, basically, we're giving this this child ego state these um, instincts a breather, mm. giving them a rest mm. by not having all of these orders, all of these barking dogs mm. of society. We stop listening to it. Mm. But and the best way to do it is not. We can wake up from time to time when it's going on, and that's Shanti. That's exactly what we want to do. But once we wake up, we want to wake up enough so that we can maintain a guard to keep that kind of trash out of the mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's where the value of first jhana really comes mm -hmm. in, is that we can clean out the mind and keep it clean. Mm -hmm. 
Another way of talking about it is like the, the mind is a monkey mind and it jumps from tree to tree and all over the place. Mm-hmm. And our job in First Jhana is to keep the monkey in just one tree. Mm-hmm. What is that one tree? It's the wholesome tree. It's the tree uh, that, that narrows the boundary mm-hmm. so that it doesn't jump all over the place. It just has to jump on the limbs of this tree. And when it jumps into that tree over there by mistake, we grab him and mm-hmm. we pull him back, put him back into this tree again. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so this is the way that we begin to train the mind. And if we can get the monkey to just stay in one tree, we've got a good chance of training him completely. Mm-hmm. So you you would I mean, you would re- you would recommend that I, in terms of building a good jhana practice now, it's it's just to focus on the first and. And let let what will happen happen. You know, is that right? Like, if you get well skilled in the development of being able to sustain the first jhana, mm-hmm. develop it to get into it easily and sustain it easily, mm-hmm. then I will tell you yeah. about uh, the second jhana. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. So cool. let's 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 get the skills we need first. Yeah. Yeah. Because, in fact, the skill of leaving the first jhana is, in fact, the skill of entering the second jhana because the unskillful leaving the first jhana is because we fell out of it, we couldn't maintain it. Yeah, yeah. That's more... There's a skill in leaving the first jhana. That's, yeah, that's how I normally leave it, um, (laughs) to be honest. But I can get there quite regularly. It's just, yeah, it's just the sustaining of it, and it... um, and now that we're what we've spoken about, I can see a kind of a kind of broader context in which that would help purify the mind and help kind of strengthen that adult voice, or and how it kind of yeah feeds into a, everything. Yes. Uh huh. Exactly. It's yeah. It's so it's it's so well thought out. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um. I don't know how he did it. Um, All we're doing is filling in little dots here and there, but the yeah. basic framework is right back to the Buddha. He figured out this. Yeah, yeah. Pretty amazing. And it's amazing. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible just to see how it all fits together and be like, oh, that really works. Oh, yeah, that makes loads of sense. And like, I can experience that with my own brain just by sitting down my mind and body and it yeah but that's it's like confident when when you're having those thoughts that's the confidence building yeah, yeah. that's mm. right what i have heard and what i have read and what i have done fit yeah. together it yeah. works yeah i can see it for myself mm. it mm-hmm. works and i'm mm. successfully getting it working wow now that's a <laughs> Definitely. So now is the time to give that kid a swing. <laughs> yeah. Yep, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, you did it, kid, you did it. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. So okay. We've got a plan now. Get yeah, into we do. it often and stay into it often, and we'll talk do. about getting out of it later. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Damarati. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you later. Have it's a good day. It's been delightful. I've, I enjoy these conversations. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, me too. I'll speak to you soon. All right. Cool okay, you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>